It's not us versus them, but us with them. What gifts is God giving you? This here's a labor of love. Work them God-given ideas till they come true. Stuck inside these walls. Life ain't hallways and classrooms. This here's the real world where bells don't save you. Christ do. But what if I told you Jesus was already famous? Emmanuel gave his life. Gave his life for you. Go make him famous. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you're here. Thanks for being here. Uh, if you're worshiping at the Aurora campus, welcome. If you're worshiping at Highland Square or Restoration Chapel or just tuning in, uh, glad you're here. All right, let me uh, start with a heads up. Uh, on Monday, if you are in our database, you're going to get an email. And attached to that email is a survey we're going to ask you uh, to fill out. And we'd like everybody to fill out the survey. Uh, the survey is intended to help us. It's an anonymous survey. It's uh, to help us know what we're, if what we're doing is affected, if it's helping you, and uh, how to uh, maybe form some things in the future that might help you more as you seek to follow Jesus. All right, so if you are not, if you don't get an email on Monday, then you can go to our website and you can fill out the survey there. But please take the 10 minutes to go ahead and fill out that survey. It'll really help us, all right? Okay, here we are in January, which is uh, the time when we cast a vision for the year. Every year we have a theme because the theme kind of helps us uh, fill out our purpose for the year. We feel like there's a rhythm to the life of a church. It's kind of like breathing. You inhale and you exhale. You breathe in, you breathe out. Now what's true is that uh, once you exhale, there's only a certain amount of time you can spend before you have to inhale. Once you inhale, there's only a certain amount of time until you have to exhale if you want to stay alive. We feel like that's true of your Christian life as well, true of us as a church. Last year was uh, a breathing in year. We spent last year trying to drive the gospel deeper, trying to allow God to make the changes in us that he wanted to make so we could become all that he wanted us to be. We called it transformed in 2018. This year is going to be a breathing out year, an exhaling year to take what God did last year inside of us and then use it to impact the people around us and the world around us. So the theme for 2019 is make Jesus famous. Make Jesus famous. Um, one of the things I love about our church, and there's a lot that I love, uh, is our students and our student ministries. Because sometimes our students catch on to a vision and a theme faster than anybody else. Uh, last Sunday night, I received an email from an EDGE small group leader. EDGE is our middle school ministry. And uh, she sent a photo of her small group, and this is the photo that she sent. Every one of these girls had made a poster, and the poster says, Make Jesus Famous, and the plan, their plan is to hang it in their bedroom so that they are reminded of what their goal is this year. And every two weeks when they meet, they're going to talk about their ups and their downs, but they're also going to talk about how they tried to make Jesus famous in the last two weeks. How cool is that? I, I don't know what you were like in middle school, 
I was not like that. And that's why I love our students. That's also why I love a theme. Because there's something about a theme that can go throughout the entire church. And I know when I say make Jesus famous, that famous is kind of a a loaded word because it's so trite and it can be so shallow. Uh, But I want you to know that there's a reason that fame is a thing. There's a reason people are famous. Like, there's a reason that Justin Bieber is famous. There's a reason that Tom Cruise is famous. There's a reason that Tom Brady is famous. And what we believe is that every single human heart is wired to worship. So every heart is looking for someone to push up, to make high and lift it up. And that's why people are famous. And we want to make Jesus famous because we believe that inside the human heart, what people are longing for is Jesus, whether they realize it or not. And when a 13-year-old girl is screaming at a Justin Bieber concert, it's not Justin Bieber she really needs. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. One of the first uh, disciples of Jesus was a man named Philip. And uh, when I say he was a disciple of Jesus, what I mean is that he was drawn to Jesus. He would hang around Jesus. He started listening to Jesus. And he loved to be around Jesus so much that he didn't want to ever leave him. So he started following him everywhere he went. But Philip had a friend named Nathaniel. And Nathaniel didn't know about Jesus yet. So at some point, Philip quit inhaling And he tore himself away from Jesus because that's what he had been doing. He had just been sitting at the feet of Jesus, just taking in everything that Jesus had to give. But at some point, he decided to tear himself away so he could go exhale and so he could find his friend Nathaniel. And he found his friend Nathaniel and he said, Nathaniel, I found him. The one we have been looking for. And Nathaniel said to his friend Philip, yeah, where is he from? Just such a weird question. And Philip said, he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And he dismisses Philip just like that. And in my mind's eye, I see him like take a toothpick out of his mouth and flip it away and just go, I'm not buying it. And then Philip says three words that I think are just a great three words. He says to his friend Nathaniel, come and see come and see. Because what Philip thinks is, uh, if I can just get him to move past all the distractions, if he can just get close enough to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, then Jesus will do the rest. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about making Jesus famous. We're we're talking about trying to draw people away through all the distractions of politics, all the distractions of Christians who have let them down, or faulty Christians, or flawed Christians, or even us We want to get them close enough so that they can see and hear Jesus. We're going to be telling people all year long, come and see. Just come and see. So last week, our first week of the year, we tried to answer three questions. What do we mean when we say make Jesus famous? Why do we want to make Jesus famous? And then how is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? We're going to spend the next three weeks kind of answering that third question, how is it going to happen? We're going to do something small, something medium, something big. We're going to go in concentric circles. We're going to start by making Jesus famous at home and then making Jesus famous next week in your neighborhood, in our community, and then finally in our region 
and in our world. All right, so today I want to talk to you about what it means to make Jesus famous at home, in your home. And what I want to do is I want to look at three stories in the Gospels, and then I'm going to pull out the points from those three stories. I'm going to do it a little bit different. Usually I give you the three points up front, and then we go to Scripture. This time we're going to go to Scripture. First I'm going to give you the points at the end. So it's only the second week of 2019. I'm already just mixing things up because that's the way I'm going to roll in 2019. All right. So the first uh, story is in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, this is a story of a man named Zacchaeus. And this is what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. So Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he can't see him. Why? Because there were people. He couldn't see Jesus because of the people. This is a little side note, but that's not uncommon. For people to be looking for Jesus, but they can't see Jesus because of people. Because of people who call themselves followers of Jesus, mostly. Next month, in February, we're going to do a series called Jesus famous or infamous. And what we're going to talk about is some of the ways that the biggest impediments to seeing Jesus seem to be Christians sometimes. What we do, how we act, or what we have done in the past. And I think uh, that's not just ironic that it's Christians that keep people from seeing Jesus. It's tragic. Maybe the most famous example is Gandhi, who allegedly said this, I would become a Christian if it were not for Christians, right? So, wouldn't it be a different story here if somebody had gone to Zacchaeus, seen him, and grabbed little Zacchaeus and said, listen, I'll get you close to him. Come with me. And brought him so he could see and hear Jesus. But no one did. No one did. So Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore tree. And Jesus sees him and walks over and stands under the sycamore tree. And Zacchaeus, a, a grown man climbing a tree is a comical kind of sight, but it also made Zacchaeus very vulnerable. And the reason is because Zacchaeus was not popular. And uh, popularity is a sliding scale, which you learn when you're a child. And if you're on the wrong side of that teeter-totter of your popularity and you are unpopular, it is a very dangerous place to be. It's a very scary place to be. And Zacchaeus was very unpopular. And he was unpopular for a real good reason. It wasn't that he was an innocent guy and happened to be unpopular. 
because he had a big nose or something. This was a guy who'd done some bad things that we find out at the end, where he had defrauded people, he'd stolen from people. And here he was up in a tree, and you have to assume that when Jesus walked over to that tree, the whole crowd came with him. So everybody's just standing there. Zacchaeus, treed. Have you ever, uh, you know, a fox hunt, where they let the hounds out to chase the foxes until they, a fox scampers up a tree, and then, you know, the, the hounds gather around and they just howl until they howl at the, at the fox in the tree. People like to do that with sinners, you know? Sometimes Christians like to do that with people that they think are sinners. They'll get on social media and say, look at this person. Look how terrible they are. Howl with me. Howl with me. That's a terrible thing to do if you're a Christian. Do not do that. You know why? Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus. If anybody had a right to look at Zacchaeus and point up and say, look, behold, a sinner, a sinner indeed. It was Jesus, but he didn't do that. You know what he did to Zacchaeus? He said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house today. I want to go to your home, which is wild. Because Zacchaeus, that's not what he intended. Zacchaeus just wanted to see, to get close enough to see Jesus, to hear Jesus. Why didn't, and Jesus had to know that. He was Jesus. So why didn't Jesus just go, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. You can walk beside me for the rest of the afternoon. Because I know you want to see me. I know you want to hear me. Just come alongside. Or he could have said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'll be speaking uh, at the temple on Saturday. Uh, this is Andrew. He'll make sure you get a, a seat up close. You can hear me Saturday. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. I want to go where you live. I want to come home with you. Why? I live a fairly uh, public life uh, with my job. And uh, home is the only place where I can really be who I really am. And listen, I, I try to be genuine. I might try to be the same person up here that I am at home. But I'm nicer here, right? I'm funnier here. I'm smarter here. And some of you are thinking, you're not that funny. You're not that smart, which is the point. Imagine me at home, right? But this is the first point. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm going home with you. Because he doesn't want the public Zacchaeus. He wants the real Zacchaeus. And the first point with you is if, if we're going to make Jesus famous, the first point is that Jesus wants to be in your home. He doesn't want the church you. He doesn't just want the Bible study you. He doesn't just want the public you. He wants the you that you are at home. He wants the real you. He wants to be with you when you're paying your bills. He wants to be with you when you're watching TV. He wants to be with you when you're logging on to your computer. He wants to be with you when you're talking with your family. He wants to be the first point of making Jesus famous is this. That after this service, Jesus wants to go home with you. Because making Jesus famous means that Jesus wants to know 
the private you, not just the public you. Okay, that's the first story. Second story is in uh, Luke chapter 7. And it's uh, the story of a man named Simon the Pharisee and a woman who comes into his home. This is Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And this is what it says. Uh, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This too is God's word. One of the things that I noticed as I read the second story is uh, how much Jesus likes going into people's homes. I don't think I ever noticed that until I started studying for this message. But you read the Gospels, he is constantly going into people's homes. And this guy was probably uh, one of the hostiles toward him. uh, But he still went into his home. Jesus didn't have to. He could have been all Sermon on the Mount, all big crowds, out front, big speaker. But Jesus is one who likes to get up close and personal, which is one of the reasons he wants to be in your home. So Jesus comes to this man's home who's called Simon the Pharisee. And uh, there's a lot that I, I mean, I love the story, and there's a lot in here, but I only want to bring out one Point, and it's connected to one verse out of all these verses. And it's verse 44. When Jesus says, it says, Then turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Uh, this woman was in the house uh, probably because uh, the dinner was in Simon's courtyard. Because the courtyard in the first century was kind of a semi-permeable membrane. Uh, The closest I can come to trying to explain it uh, to us in this culture would be like uh, the way a front porch was back 50 years ago in the south. Where the front porch in the south 
50 years ago, if you were walking down the street and your neighbor was in the front porch, you didn't have to ask permission to go. You didn't have to be invited. You just would walk up onto the front porch and sit down and have lemonade or iced tea. That's kind of the way it was in the first century. So Simon is having this dinner, and this woman comes in because it's this semi-permeable membrane, and she begins to weep and to anoint Jesus' feet. And Simon just ignores her, and he keeps talking with Jesus. He's kind of looking out of the side of his eye at this woman, but for the most part, he doesn't want to pay attention to her. And then Jesus says to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? And it's an interesting thing that he says, because the word that he uses for see isn't just physically see. What he's saying is, Simon, do you see what's going on? Do you see her heart? Do you see her struggle? Do you see her pain? Do you see her desires? Do you see this woman? All right, and this is the second point. If we're going to make Jesus famous at home, then Jesus wants you to see the people that are in your home. Jesus wants you to see the people that are, because sometimes the easiest people to miss are the people that are right in front of you. It's, it's easier to look right past the people that are right in front of you where you, you don't really see them. And it's not in a physical way, but you don't see their struggles. You don't talk to them about Jesus and you don't t- talk to Jesus about them. But you talk about all kinds of other things, but you don't make Jesus famous. When we talk about making Jesus famous, we're talking about making him better known. And the people right in your home are people that Jesus wants you to see and help make him known. Let me give you two ways to do that. One is to help people remember. You know, the whole Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, prophets are always telling people, remember, remember what God has done. And there are all kinds of triggers that are set up so that they will remember. Uh, There are sacrifices, there are memorials, there are feasts, because we are short-term memory people. We are like, God, what have you done for me lately, people? Because we forget. And so one of the things that's that's helpful is to help the people in your home remember and help you remember all that God has done. When I went through uh, CLC, CLC is is kind of our, our deep dive discipleship for men. It's Christian leadership concepts. If you have not gone through it and you're a man, I would encourage you to go through it. You get with 12 other men and you go through this two-year process. But one of the first things that we had to do in our groups was to create a storyline of our own lives using what they called fence posts, which are big moments in our lives as we look back and we see what God has done to bring us to where we are. And uh, then we are to share those with the other guys so they get to know who we really are. One of the things that happened when I did it, when I was doing my fence post, I was thinking, wow, if some of those were very, very painful, but there's no way I would be where I am if God hadn't done this. And I begin to look back on my life and I go, oh, when I thought God was not faithful is when he was the most faithful to me. I just didn't see it then, but I see it now. But I never think about that. I didn't ever think about that until I did the fence posts. My wife Karen and I were talking about families that sometimes get big sheets of butcher paper and they take their kids and they begin to say, listen, we want to tell you the story of your life and our lives with Jesus. We want to tell you when we started to pray for you and this is when you were born and you ought to see kids light up when you tell them the story of when they were, this is when you had a fever and we prayed and this is when we dedicated you to Jesus and this is when Jesus moved us here and this is when Jesus did this for us and that for us. If you're going to make Jesus famous, 
Don't think about out there, not yet. Think about Jesus in your home with the people that are living right in front of you. Help them to remember. The second thing is help them celebrate what Jesus is doing. You know, I think every time one of you sends me an encouraging email about what God is doing in your life, I go right home and I read it to my wife, Karen. Because to hear what you, what God is doing in your life encourages me. And to hear me read it to Karen it encourages her. Listen, if we're going to have middle school girls hanging up posters in their bedrooms that say, make Jesus famous so they remember it, we need to have parents who will, who will ask those middle school girls, what did you do for Jesus today? Tell me. Tell me. Let me tell you what I'm doing for Jesus today. So celebrate the stories about Jesus. The second point in making Jesus famous at home is Jesus wants you to see the people right in front of you who are in your home because sometimes they're the easiest people to miss. All right, final story. is a story that we actually mentioned last week. Uh, it's at the, uh, in the Gospel of Mark. It's the story of Levi. Excuse me, and this is the story. Uh, Jesus went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as they passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This too is God's word. But you'd imagine what that was like. What kind of a get-together was that? What kind of friends did Levi have that made the religious people just go, what in the world is Jesus doing with those people? Uh, My brother Brian uh, was a youth pastor years ago. And like most youth pastors during uh, graduation season, uh, he went, made the rounds to the graduation parties. And uh, there was one party where he drove up and he could see that the party was in the backyard, so he didn't go through the house. He just went around back to the backyard. And when uh, the first student saw him, first student said uh, more loudly than he should have, he went, hey, it's Pastor Brian. Hey, it's Pastor Brian. And as soon as he said that, Brian saw a bunch of his students with these red party cups put them behind their backs like this, right? The students in his youth group, all standing there, that's not a high point for a youth pastor to go to a graduation party. You think that's what it was like with Levi and his friends? I don't think so. I don't think his friends even knew enough to hide their party cups, right? Jesus wasn't a thing yet, right? He wasn't, you know, when I play golf with people sometimes who don't know me, the first nine holes, they swear like crazy, right? At the turn, they go, oh, Hey, Joe, what do you do, by the way? What do you do for a living? I'll say I'm a minister. It's like, you know, then nobody swears the next nine holes. I don't think that's the way it was. With Levi and his friends, his friends had no clue. So I think it was a body get-together. I think their language was probably terrible. 
but Jesus was there. Levi could have said, you know what? Jesus has come into my life. I get that. So now I'm going to go home. And, and like his friends could have come with their six packs in their hands and he could have gone, ah, bad time. Jesus is here. Go away. Jesus could have told Levi, listen, why are you hanging out with that riffraff? I thought we talked about this. That's not what happened. What Levi said is, I've met Jesus. I have friends who don't know who he is. I know. They may never go and try to find him and listen to him, but they'll come to my house. So I'm going to invite him to my house because Jesus is in my home. And this is the third point. We make Jesus famous at home. That means there are going to be some people that Jesus wants you to invite into your home because that's where they're going to meet Jesus. There are people that you know and they're in your life that would probably never come into this place but would come to your house and they come into your home and that's where they're going to meet Jesus. Listen, we want to make Jesus famous. Right? We want to make him famous all over the world. But we're going to start with our homes. Because to make Jesus famous starts at home. First, Jesus wants to come to your home. He doesn't want just the church you. He doesn't want the Bible study you. He wants the you you. The you you are at home. Jesus wants you to see the people in your home. To talk to them about Jesus to talk to Jesus about them. Don't miss the people that God has put right in front of you. And then Jesus wants you to invite some people into your home because your home is the only place they will ever meet him. 2019, it's going to be a time where we want to make Jesus famous. And it starts at home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, Thank you. I love uh, that, you, um, that you love being in people's homes. It is wild to me that you would uh, come into my home and that you would come into the home of every person here. That you just, you don't want to know the, just the, the fixed up me, but you want to know the real me. You want to live with me. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to take you into our homes, to make you a part of every part of our lives. I pray that you would help us to see the people that you put right in front of us, that we will talk to them about you. We will talk to you about them. And then I pray that you will lead us to the right people who need, who we need to invite into our homes because in our homes is where they will finally meet you. Help us make you famous at home. Thanks. We pray this in your blessed name. Amen. All right. We're going to close with worship. And uh, we feel like uh, worship helps you prepare to hear God's word. And we feel like worship helps you respond after you've heard God's word. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing a couple of songs. After that, we're going to have our prayer team up front. If there is something you're going through that you want somebody to pray with you about, please 
please don't go through anything alone, not in this church. Let somebody pray with you. Let somebody love you, all right? Let's go ahead and stand and close in worship. Let's just sing the simple refrain together. Oh, praise the Lord.